Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash new music industry. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. chatting with award-winning Canadian singer, songwriter, and producer, Troy Kogel. How are you today, Troy? Doing good. Doing very good, David. Awesome. Thanks for joining me. And I was trying to learn a little bit about you for this conversation, but you're a bit of a mystery online. So I would love for you to take a moment to share about your background, who you are, and what you're up to. Yeah, like my... So I started late in the business. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't pay my dues like everybody else. I, you know... <laughs> Had, had a job and was just going about my life and and we got uh had a fortunate break with songwriting and it's a super long story but ultimately what ended up happening was a song that we wrote was cut by a canadian artist with a brand new label brand new artist and and it blew up and and it did as good as a uh, song could have you know in that type of situation hmm. and so all of a sudden we were thrust you know from you know, go, doing a day job thing to like, oh, okay, I guess we're songwriting now. And so that was about 10 years ago and a little over 10 years ago. And so from there, we just have evolved. It's evolved into songwriting. I started producing and and then, of course, you know, the more you start singing, the more you start doing your own stuff. And, and uh, so right now, you know, the, the what we do business-wise is pretty broad, you know, so I... Mm. I'm an I'm indep- I'm an independent artist as well. I, I mix and master and produce and record all my stuff myself, um, but I also produce mix and master for other artists. Uh, and most of the stuff that we do and most of the things that we have had success with are in the you know country pop um, genre. But I do work in folk as well with folk artists, and uh, but it's all it all feels new, <laughs> even though it's been <laughs> ten years. So. It, because, like I say, you know, like I didn't, I never suffered, you know, sleeping in the van down by the river or nothing. Like I, <laughs> I kind of, you know, I got the best of both worlds, and and uh, so yeah, I'm really enjoying it. And we make our, our, um, we make our uh, home here in Calgary, and we decided to do that a long time ago. We could have moved south, and and that was an option, but we decided that Calgary was uh, going to be the place we were going to set our roots and and just. Uh, do what we could from from our from our home and and so we've been really glad to do that that's awesome you know it strikes me that there are a lot of opportunities in songwriting just from having talked to a few other people out there who were doing the same thing uh so correct me if i'm wrong but sort of what i'm seeing is it actually offers quite a few different revenue streams right because you could be writing songs for others and collecting royalties on that but you could also be making your own music and like you said you're producing other people's music too so creating more opportunities for yourself really allows you to, to draw from a bit of a bigger pool right that's right and and i think the other part of it is that when we got in the business uh it was a different world. And now, especially because of the digital era, a lot of people, I feel, think the digital era has crushed the music business. And it certainly has for the for the large companies. But I feel like the smaller uh, independent artists, the independent labels, and, you know, even someone like myself, I mean, because we can now, I mean, I can 
do all of the things I need to do to, to make a record sound, you know, half decently pro and, mm. and put it out. And so, uh, you know, I think as a songwriter, yeah, you're absolutely right, David. You can, you know, if you can write your own music and you can release that music, there are five major revenue streams you can draw on mm-hmm. as a songwriter. And so you can take advantage of that because you own the master, because you, you like you paid for the recording, because you are the singer, because you are the songwriter. Um, yeah, there's there's uh, there's a you know some there's a whole bunch of you know you're collecting pennies from all over the the place, but there's the more exposure, and of course, the better the songs are. You know, I always tell artists it's so important to focus on the quality of your songs, and until that's ready, you know, it's almost not really worth it to go you know busting down doors and making CDs quite yet. Performing absolutely, but. Um, you know, it's on the songwriting side of it. I think, you know, you just need to give yourself the opportunity to grow and to grow into something, you know, that, that other people can get into. So how do you get into writing songs for others? Is that a matter of like networking and getting to know people? Is it a matter of using certain tools online? Is it a combination thereof? Uh, yeah, it's definitely a combination, but I would say more, most importantly for, for all of it is just having is, is honing your craft. And, and being good, you know, and so and, and being OK with not being good for a while and having that patience and persistence. You know, I, I can honestly say and I tell people this all the time. The opportunities that have put money in my pocket is have been almost exclusively when my phone rings. It's not mm-hmm. when I'm trying to get a publishing deal or I'm trying to get a co-write with some big artist or I'm trying to, you know, whatever it is, fulfill some ego thing that I've got, you know, and, and we're all, we're artists and we all have that, you know, sort of, uh, it's really hard to suppress that want to just like, well, I should get a record deal or I should do this or I should songwrite for this person or that person. But what I've found is that, you know, every time I've tried to do that and take control of it, it's always failed. But when I've had success is when I've just decided, you know what, I'm going to do what I have control over and just try to write better songs and lo and behold you know the more i did that and the more i focused on my own skills um you know what the phone rings because you're actually and i think part of it is that you're proving yourself you know Mm -hmm. you're you're able to prove to other people and you and you're not you're not coming at it with a um you know with an attitude of of desperation you're coming at it you know people are coming to you because it's like wow did you hear that song that david just sang that's amazing i gotta go talk to that guy you know, mm. because you spent the time to work on it. So all of my opportunities have come that way. So I never called, like I write children's songs for a, a for a, a international educational uh, company that's, you know, headquartered in Japan. I didn't call them and, you know, I didn't get that gig because, you know, I, I thought that's what I should do. I always wanted to write children's songs, but the funny thing was, is it was, you know, it was through people that I knew. And I feel like part of that work had to do with me just focusing on the things I had control over, which was writing songs, you know, playing out, releasing songs and, and, you know, and definitely meeting people, you know, networking is so important. So, yeah, I love that because there aren't too many people that are taking that sort of approach or attitude to things like just working on your craft allows you to get better gigs. Right. And I have something similar going on in the sense that like I've booked so few of my own gigs probably in the last five to 10 years 
they get booked because of band leaders, because of acquaintances or friends or people I know or other musicians to where when I do go and try to book my own gigs, it often fails and I don't get the gig. So yeah. And, it, and I always say when your phone rings, that's the opportunity you're ready for. I call it the, I, a few people have, you know, my friends are, are sick of hearing this, but I call it the pie shop. You know, you have this amazing recipe and cause your grandma gave it to you and you know, you can make these amazing, you know, pies and, and you take this recipe and you go out in the street and you try to get people to buy this, you know, recipe from you. And, and you're like, and they're like, man, like, are you crazy? Like, go away. Like, I don't want your stupid recipe. But you know, instead, if you take control over your over what you're you're able to do, and maybe you rent a little corner place and you get a little oven and you start baking stuff, and what happens? The smell goes out to the street. People are like, oh my god, what is that? And you know, you focus on it. And maybe it starts small, but then you start to you you're always improving your you know your your apple pie, and the more that you improve it after a while people start talking about it it's like oh my god have you ever been to that place and those pies are unbelievable and so after a while Hmm. your work the work uh, uh, that that you're trying to the things you're trying to make happen just happen anyways you know i think we as artists focus a lot especially in the beginning we focus a lot on outcomes but you know which to me outcomes are like you know getting an award getting a gig getting an agent getting a manager and to me what I have found in my experience with the people that I know that have been signed with major labels and this, even the, the little bit of success that we've had, I feel like that all of those things, those outcomes that, that people are wanting often are just byproducts of doing what you have control over, which is, you know, gigging when you can write, you know, making your songs as best as you can and networking and, and doing the things you have control over your website, your photos, and and then everything else once the once the songs are there you don't really have to do a lot you know you you really just need to be visible and to and to be you know active in the in the industry but that's you know for that's been my experience i love that and you used the term we earlier so i'm wondering what sort of help and support do you have or do you have a bit of a team helping you out and making this happen I don't, you know, like I, it's funny because like we, even from day one, so we had a, we had a fairly, uh, you know, fairly substantial uh, success with this first song. And I thought, you know, man, like everybody's going to want a chunk of this, this money. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so, and I thought, well, that could be a good thing. But the funny thing was, is that, you know, we've, we've always operated independently. Um, I've spent a lot of time, um, you know, uh, asking questions and learning about the business and, and also studying what, for me, what was most important was studying what works and what doesn't work. Um, you know, and, and that comes not only with people with money, but also people with, 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 uh, lots of talent, you know, because a lot of people think just cause someone's talented that they got it all figured out. But that's not always true. Um, as a matter of fact, it's almost never true. And, you know, I would say, you know, for us, you know, we rely on, I rely on, uh, you know, uh, uh, watching and learning from other people to, to really help me, you know, move forward. And I've done a lot of things to, to constantly learn, you know, learn how to mix, learn how to master stuff, learn how to write songs better, you know. And, and part of that is just learning from my peers, you know, and listening to new artists and and, and hearing what new business people are doing to monetize their their music and all that good stuff. So what's interesting about that, you know, I've been to 
enough workshops and certainly have read enough articles to know that there are certain like nuances to writing hits, so to speak, or writing songs that are more largely accepted and massively consumed. So what tips do you have for someone that's interested in becoming a professional songwriter? Uh, you know, if you want to do, and, and if someone tells me I want to be a professional songwriter, so my assumption is that you want your music to be consumed by a, a large, like the middle 60%. Because I think often people really just want to do cool stuff and they want to just write what they want to write, but they want it to be successful. And that's those two things don't always mix together. Sometimes what you do naturally just is like pop it just and it works and everybody loves it, but yeah. not often. So I think the one thing that I would say, if you wanted to be like a professional songwriter and you want to have, uh, you know, the ability to make money from songwriting, I think the most important thing is to spend time, uh, you know, listening to great songwriters and, you know, taking all the, like, I can't, I can honestly say I haven't read a lot of books or taken a lot of courses on songwriting, but I have for sure spent a lot of time listening to great songwriters and listening to like, how does, you know, what is, the, what do I love about this song and, and why is it working for me? You know, I, um, I would say the you know the one piece of advice I got was from a fellow named Ralph Murphy who's a he used to be the uh, inter, uh, VP of international relations at ASCAP which is uh, the equivalent of SOCAN in the US. Yeah. And when I first met with Ralph, you know, he told me it's like think about he said don't he basically said don't think like a songwriter, think like your listener. Like his whole thing was if you're trying to get radio people like as in the radio industry who sells advertising and you're trying to get the all that they care about is that you know when your song's playing that that single mom driving to work at 7 30 in the morning in her crappy car to her crappy job that she hates doesn't turn the radio off so you know a big chunk of what i think needs to happen in that is just keeping that in mind and it doesn't mean you're writing every song for that but it's always sort of keeping uh, trying to understand that you're trying to reach that middle 60 percent you're not and you know the truth is is that sometimes in order to get to that place you just really need to be honest and you need to be uh you know in a way that is uh in a creative way that is accessing your most you know your deepest secrets or or your most vulnerable uh, place. But I think at the end of the day, you really need to um, spend a bit of time uh, listening to, to the radio. And I think also understanding the, the craft itself and, uh, um, and, what, and what kind of music is acceptable. Because if you don't really get that, if you don't spend time listening to radio, and if you don't spend time sort of studying the people that are having success, I think it's, it's sort of a crapshoot. And you're guessing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a great tip. And whenever I perform these days, and it definitely wasn't always this way, my friends or uh, other artists mention, wow, you know, your songs are always so pop. And <laughs> I think it, it's gotten to the point where that comes like somewhat naturally to me. But I was right. in pursuit of that for a long time because I knew I was writing these songs that didn't have as strong of a melody as I wanted. Cause I was listening to some of my favorite artists and really what I noticed was, wow, I really love that melody. I want to write melodies like that. Yeah. And, and when I got in pursuit of that and like was endlessly listening and my roommates were like, what are you listening for? And I said, I'm just listening to, to get a sense 
of how to write melodies like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I think spending a little time with with like I listen and I always listen to new stuff, you know, like uh, and, and you know, relatively new, you know, music, anything that's that that to me is different, you know, like when Twenty One Pilots came out with Stressed Out or when you know Ed Sheeran came out with A Team, and for me it was just like, wow, is that ever cool? Like I really love the way he you know, alliterates in this part or the, the way that this person, you know, just, um, you know, uh, kind of describes something. And, and so taking that into consideration as to like, okay, well, how can I bleed that into my own stuff? And, and again, I think the most important thing is, is, is doing that in a way and, you know, even to, you know, in, in a, in a commercial songwriting way, I think the trick of it all is to do all of that and to, and to create fearlessly. And to be okay with like, you know what, I'm probably going to miss nine times out of 10. And that's okay. But I, I need to give myself a chance to, to turn, turn, the, uh, turn the tap on, so to speak, and, and just let it, let it flow out of me until it's, it's, uh, it's, it's feeling right. You know? um, I, I, I like to say to people that you know, it's sort of like turning on a shower. You, know, you turn on a shower and you, first you turn it on, it's too cold, and then you turn it, you know the other way and then oh my gosh it's too hot and then you you know you're mucking around with the thing for quite a while till you it's like okay like this is just right and then even then you might tweak it a little bit but i think it's kind of the same thing with creativity you got to give yourself an opportunity to just you know say stuff and be honest and find that ability to to say your truth and and then once you kind of get to that place where you can easily fearlessly come out with that then then then, then i think that's when you have something that is going to people will relate to and they and it's going to be it's going to feel honest and real so here's a bit of controversy being prolific versus being perfectionists what are your thoughts i am the so i i used to cartoon professionally a long time ago when i was in college and and charles schultz was like there's no such thing as as um and charles schultz was the guy who did like snoopy and peanuts and you know all Mm -hmm. that stuff and he, his thing was, you know, there's no such thing as, as, uh, as writer's block. There's just, it's just different forms of fear, you know? So to me, I think, I think it's, I always tell people when you're creating, there's two, there's two elements in the room. There's a child and there's an adult and the child will come out and, and come up with like fun ideas and, and be honest and cry and laugh and, and just be in the moment. And the adult will you know, sort of like say, well, you know, what about that? Or what about this? And, and, and I think when we get quote unquote writer's block is when both of those, you know, the child and the adult are in the room at the same time, <laughs> you know, and you're trying to come up with ideas, but at the same time, you've got an adult saying, no, no, that's not, you know, that song's too long or you can't say that or, or whatever. And so I always tell people, it's like, differentiate those two things, compartmentalize your creativity, like allow your child be joyful and don't mm-hmm. try to cage in what you're doing with things like what genre you're singing or what the content is. Like, forget about that. You know, the greatest songwriters there ever were, um, if you listen to their work, it's vast and it's weird. And like, if you listen to Beck or if you listen to Tom Waits or mm-hmm. Bob Dylan, it's all over the place. And it's because those guys were experts at just creating freely. And then they probably went and let their parent or the adult in the room after to like, hmm, this could be too long, need to change this, need to move this around. But 
I would say for, you know, in terms of like being prolific versus, you know, um, uh, you know, editing a lot, I would say that's my cake on it. I love that because, and I really enjoyed what you said about there is no writer's block. And because in the last few years, I've done a lot of blogging, I've done a lot of ghostwriting. And this year, I'm working towards publishing 10 to 12 books. And my right. second book is on its way. Uh, and I really believe that there is such thing as burnout, but there is no such thing as writer's block. Yeah. And I, and I think, though, you know, even for yourself, if you were writing your books, but you were constantly like, oh, is this going to be relevant? Is this going to be, you know, you could literally, you know, an, you know, paralysis by an analysis. Right. And you could honestly stop yourself from creating something. And, and the truth is, is that, you know, you write lots of stuff. You're going to make mistakes and you're going to fall short mm-hmm. and you're going to maybe say things that weren't quite you know, spelled out correctly or could have been stronger. But the fact is, is that just the more you do it, the more you're going to look back and be like, oh, I could have done that better. And that's, those are all learning opportunities, right? So it's just really, um, you know, sharpening your, your, your blade. And, and so that next time you go to, you know, you go to battle, you're going to be more prepared for it. Right. So. Yeah, actually, you're really in my brain right now, because when I launched the Essential Guide to Music Entrepreneurship last year, I thought I was kind of taking a big risk by putting such a short book out there. It's probably like an hour, hour and a half read at most. And the response has been tremendous. Like I haven't had a bad review yet. It's all been five stars. And I'm like, wow, well, that was worth doing. So I'm going to launch more of these handbooks or mini books. They'll be a little longer, but I'm, I'm going to try putting more of these out there. And like you said, this is a philosophy I've kind of adopted for my business in general. Let small bad things happen. I think it was originally in Tim Ferriss's four hour work week, but I thought, yeah, it's so true. I'm going to let small bad things happen because they will, there's going to be some mistakes in these books and I'm going to miss a carriage return or uh, I'm going to use the wrong word. I'm going to misspell a word. It's just going to happen when you're producing this volume of work. Yeah. And I think especially when you, when you, we, we mostly get hesitant when we think about the content and the validity of what we're doing. Like, is mm-hmm. it any good? It will anyone care? And the fact is, is that I think that you have to approach it. Like, I don't care if anyone cares. You, know? mm-hmm. you always hear about those great artists and songwriters. It's like, you know, they don't really, you know, they, they don't, a lot of times they don't care if anyone listens to it. And I think it's not a, it's not, it's not a function of I'm a big deal and I don't care what anyone thinks. I just think it really is more of a function of like, I really want to do this. I love to do this. And so I'm going to do it. And I think generally when you're coming from a creative place that is honest and joyful, people, people group it, group with it. And they really think, you know, they, this, there are, you know, you'll find an audience of some kind anyways. I think that's the other piece is getting past the analysis paralysis could so easily kind of stop and evaluate how book each book went and how it was received and what people thought of it and and sort of get into almost like people pleasing, right. Which is, which can be very unhealthy. So, yeah. And you uh, see that happen with songwriters and artists, you know, like you will see an artist come out with this amazing, you know, record that they didn't, you know, in some crappy, you know, studio somewhere. And it was like, super raw and super genuine. And then the next one, it's like, you know, they get signed to some huge, you know, multi international label and it's like, and it's nothing like it was before. And, and mm-hmm. to me, when I think about that, it's like, it, it really is just a really, um, it's, it's fear, you know, it's fear from the label. It's fear from the artists. It's like, Oh man, like we've mm-hmm. got an audience now. And so I think, 
staying genuine and always creating in a way that is joyful and uh yeah in the absence of fear i think is uh i think it's definitely the way to go i love that yeah you're definitely bringing a, a new or slightly different perspective to the podcast than than usual and and I love that too. So to change the flow of the conversation slightly, this is funny, something I used to ask on my old podcast. So it brings me back a bit, but we're both living in Calgary. So I thought I would ask you, you know, what are your thoughts on the Calgary music scene? Honestly, uh, when I first started getting into music, it, it seemed like there was nothing going on. You know, and of course there was, there's a, there's a large folk scene. There was, you know, country music is, uh, has some, had some prominence in, in the city. Yes. But I feel like in the last five years, we've kind of turned a corner. Um, you know, there are, we have a bunch of really great award-winning studios. We've got lots of amazing producers. We've got some, you know, artists that are coming out of the city that are, um, you know, getting signed to labels and and, and uh, being able to uh, make a living uh, doing what they're doing. And I, and I feel like the, there's more infrastructure uh, maybe not for live playing as much as we would like, but still it's, I feel like we, we've, we've turned a corner, you know, Calgary is very corporate. We have lots of oil and gas here. We have lots of headquarters. And so, you know, one could tend to think that there is no art scene here, but I would, especially after going to the, you know, the, uh, YYC music awards this year and, and seeing all the talent, like I was blown mm. away. We work it professionally in the in the country uh, music world, and and so, but going to the the uh, award show here in Calgary, I was honestly like kind of embarrassed at how little I knew about all of the amazing artists that are in this town. So, I feel like the art scene in Calgary right now is as good as it's ever been. Quite honestly, yeah, I think I had a friend that said. 10 years ago or maybe a little bit more Calgary is going to have its turn. <laughs> maybe it'll yeah. become like a, its own Seattle or its own Vancouver and in, in some sense. And who knows? I, I mean, I don't think we're there yet, but like you say, as far as great talent goes, there is a lot to be found here. Yeah, we've got, yeah, we have some of the best producers in the world, some of the best studio uh, uh, studios in, uh, in the country. And we have, uh, you know, we've got a, a pretty strong group of songwriters. We've got some amazing artists. So I feel like, and, and some of the greatest, you know, like the Ironwood is one of the most sought mm -hmm. after of live venues for folk and Americana artists, you know, in North America, they come all from all over the place. So mm -hmm. we're really lucky. And now with the national music center and the whole King Eddie uh, venue being set up, I just feel like it's only, it's only going to get better. So I'm really mm -hmm. hopeful. So will Calgary continue to be your home for a time to come? Yeah, you know, we we have family in Canada, of course. And so we, like I said, we, we could have moved to the U.S. a long time ago and that was an option. But I just felt like, man, there's, you know, we have a, we have a radio uh, system that supports Canadian content. We have grant, mm. uh, we have a grant systems from municipal, provincial, federal that can support artists and we just decided that let's just do it here. Let's take it slower. And, you know, yeah, maybe we're not going to be, you know, rubbing shoulders with Jay-Z, but at least we're going to be here. And at least we're going to be nurturing a community here in Calgary. And so that was, I think, you know, and then when I say we, I'm talking about my, my, my business partner, my wife, and, and also songwriter, uh, Joni Delorier. So we, mm -hmm. we, we run this business together. And so, um, you know, we just decided that let's, let's, um, let's just do it here and let's, uh, 
let's be okay with that, you know, because uh, ultimately um, we, we just wanted to, uh, you know, nurture our own creativity and, and create a, create a good, uh, you know, community to work with. And, and we've, we've been able to do that. So, you know, what more do you, what more do you want really? You know, I think the grant and funding piece is a big one because based on my research and experience, there isn't a whole lot in the States compared to Canada. Oh my gosh. So every, every, you know, per publisher or, you know, small label or independent artist that we know, well, even artists that are signed to labels. I mean, like when if they, when they hear about what we have up here, they're like, you, you know, they're like, you can get $30,000 for a, a record <laughs> like what like how like yeah you know who pays for this like and so you know and 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 that that's but we have those systems in place but that's why we have artists that are you know like we have the drakes and the celine Dion's and the shania twains and and you know a friend of ours Tennille towns is a artist that was uh, from grand prairie and she just got signed to columbia columbia records uh in nashville and and but all of her career was was uh honed on the on the um uh, generosity of the you know CanCon and the generosity of factor and the alberta foundation for the arts and and they helped her you know learn and cut her teeth and so she wouldn't be able to have done that you know in the absence of that without hundreds of thousands of dollars and and so we're really lucky in that way so that's why we decided to stay here hmm. Super cool. And you mentioned community a little earlier, and I know you've done quite a bit with Calgary Songsmiths over the years. So love for you to talk about that. What is it and what have you been up to? Yeah, the Calgary Songsmiths, it's, uh, it started out as a small uh, 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 group from that was associated to the Songwriters Association of Canada. And it was like a regional sort of branch. And uh, it was started by Nancy LaBerge and you know, everybody got busy and Nancy got busy and the group sort of dwindled down to about three people. Uh, and uh, Nicole, a friend of ours, kept it going, thank goodness. And uh, after we had a little bit of success, uh, you know, I was kind of griping about, man, like I really wish we had a songwriting community in Calgary. <laughs> you know, And a little <laughs> voice in my head was like, well, then do something about it. So totally. we, went back, we went back to that group and thankfully there was, I think there was like three people there. And, and thankfully, Nicole uh, had, had, had kept it together and we just injected some love into it. We started a Facebook group and we started to uh, bring speakers in and just put a little bit of energy into it. And it slowly, slowly built. And it's and in the last couple of years, we sort of amped it up and said, hey, what if we you know, started bringing in um, you know, some speakers from out of town? And so we brought in some Grammy Award winning songwriters to do some uh, workshops and we've just done little things and now right now the Calgary Songsmiths is we and we just found this out a few months ago was that we're the largest independent songwriter group in Canada and we're like all I would say all in North America you know is arguable but we're we're um, it's grown to a pl- to a point where um, you know it's just it's so much fun and we we have a, a you know a really great uh, turnout of of, of amazing songwriters and we've you know now seen some of the songwriters that we have been in the group or you know on, on a verge of you know getting a record deal or moving on to bigger and better things and so hmm. it's been so awesome like we it's my favorite uh, day of the month it happens in, happens on the third tuesday 
uh, of the month at 7 p.m. at Waves Coffee House. And you can check it out. All the details are on the Calgary Songsmiths webpage, uh, which is really just the Facebook page. So if you mm. Google Calgary Songsmiths, all the info is there. There's about, five, there's about five of us that sort of make it work. So That's great. I really love that. And I'm all for, you know, providing more education as it were to to musicians you know there's so many oversights at least from my perspective in the traditional education and schooling system it it sort of applies to the generalities of life but not the specifics of life so often if you want to pursue a career in, in arts or music and stuff like that right so for sure and we have you know we'll have agents come out we have promoters come out we have radio people come out we have uh you know, um, vocal coaches and so just all different things. And so it's not necessarily all focused on songwriting, but more of like if you're a songwriter and if you want to demo or if you're a songwriter and you want to go perform. So it's um, I think it's really cool because we have like we have like, uh, you know, some some people that don't, you know, they're just lyricists and we have other people that are, you know, performing all the time and they're on radio. And so some people have had lots of success and some people are just starting out. So it's it's a really broad spectrum of music and and uh, skill level. So it's just it's just a mo it's a, such a joyful uh, event and uh, I encourage anybody that's that wants to get into it or is into the songwriting thing to come out and check it out. Super cool. Well, thanks so much for your time and generosity, Troy. Is there anything else I should have asked? No, I th- you know, I think it's just uh, it's just uh, really great what you're doing, and uh, I applaud you for uh, uh, injecting your your energy into the Calgary scene. So, mm. Juan, thank you for that. That's off to you. Awesome, thank you. Thank you for listening. Music in this episode was brought to you by Brian Young. Wherever you're listening to this right now, please consider leaving a five-star review and comment to help us get the word out about the podcast.